Once upon a time, two friends began sharing their dreams, literally. We wrote them down in the wee hours and unpacked them with each other via text upon waking, finding inspiration in their symbolism. Our dreams taught us that divine fingerprints are everywhere and can illuminate a path to Jesus Christ. I am Sarah. And I am Megan. And this is Dreamsicle. Join us as we learn to pay attention and find revelation for our lives hiding in plain sight. Okay, so once again, I had a dream about you. (laughs) I love your dreams about me. Tell me. So, okay. And this one, you were sitting on like a bar stool in the middle of a blacktop parking lot in the blistering heat of summer. Oh, great. Yes. And being hot is like my least favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. So I don't know what this says about me, but you're sitting there on (laughs) this bar stool and you're just waiting in the sun, and I hear your your oldest son's voice say, I'll be there in just a minute, Mom, with your present. Like you're waiting <laughs> for him to bring you your birthday present. <laughs> and you're like, okay. And you're really hot, and it's really uncomfortable. And he- yeah, my birthday's in July. Yeah. Well, there Seriously. you go. <laughs> and so at every- I don't know, several minutes. He's like, it's almost ready, mom. Just hold on just a second. And you're like, you're just sitting there like baking in the sun, which feels like a nightmare to me. I'm like, yeah, please find some shade. Um, You're first kind of like excited. And then you got like less enthusiastic because it was getting so hot and uncomfortable And as he kept trying to reassure you that it would be just another minute, finally he said, you know what would be a really great present? Not having to sit here in the unrelenting heat of the sun. See, I've I've got the sass even in your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) That does sound like kind of a teenager-y thing to do, though. Like, just make your mom wait in the middle of a hot parking lot, even though it's her birthday. Like, that's (laughs) what she was born to do, right? Just wait around for you. (laughs) (laughs) So I think sometimes... It can feel like this when we're waiting on the Lord, like we're waiting either for good things to happen, like revelation to come or answers or miracles or blessings that we're seeking, or we're waiting for like hard things to be taken away, like trials or grief or sorrow or pain or some other hardship. But this is like part of the plan. We know it is that we have to be patient with ourselves, we have to be patient with others, we have to be patient with God, all of this kind of plays into it. And it's not easy or like very inspiring, frankly. <laughs> it's kind of like, no, it's totally uninteresting. Yeah. Nobody, I wasn't, I was, I've been dreading recording this episode because I don't like talking about patience. Yeah, it's no fun. I mean, we've talked about some really beautiful things like love and revelation and spiritual gifts. Yeah. It's just like patience. Here we are. Mm, meh. <laughs> I know. And yet it's like so integral to mortality. I mean, if we didn't 
have to learn things incrementally, like step by step, we probably didn't need to come here. You know, it's like, that's why the earth exists and we live on it. We learn in Isaiah chapter 28 that patience and learning things bit by bit is how we acquire knowledge. It says, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? For precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. It's like, that's the way it's designed. This is similar to the scripture in Doctrine and Covenants 98.12 that says, For he will give unto the faithful line upon line, precept upon precept, and I will try you and prove you herewith. Yeah, it's like not only the acquiring of the knowledge, but like figuring out what we do believe. And that happens line upon line, yeah. incrementally, which is how it worked for the early saints in church history. And, you know, I mean, I'd always known, like, the had a basic understanding of church history, but when I read Saints, the first volume when it came out, like, I had a whole new appreciation for just how incremental their understanding of the gospel was. I mean, because when we look at it from our perspective, this hindsight is 2020 perspective, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, like, they restored the priesthood, and they established the Relief Society, and everything just worked out. And it's like, they did not know what they were doing. Yeah. And they had to ask about everything. And usually it wasn't revealed to them until they asked. Right. Like, they would read something about the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then they'd say, well, I wonder if we need that. Like, let's let's go inquire of the Lord. And then he would reveal it to him, which is kind of an inspiring pattern. Like, well, that's how Joseph Smith did it. And all of those early saints who had so much faith, maybe that's just the way it's done. Right. And I think, I don't know, I've, I found it inspiring just looking back at church history as well to see kind of the path that has brought us to where we are and that it's, it's affirming to me that it's still unfolding because... Mm they didn't always get it right the first time either. Even like as things were revealed, they weren't like nailing it on their first try of like understanding that revelation. And so it's a process and it continues to be a process. And we know that the restoration is still happening. Revelation continues to unfold. And like line upon line, even in terms of the church and the gospel being restored is it's still in effect. It's still part of what's going on. Right. I mean, there's this proven pattern in history of like, we have to ask for blessings, some blessings before we can receive them. By the way, my voice sounds like this like I'm the bony Vare version of the Taylor Swift duet, Exile. No, is it Exile? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just coming off of two weeks of non-COVID hacking, deep voice, <laughs> death. Anyway, I finished my antibiotic. I'm feeling great, but I still sound a little bit like bony Vare. Anyway, it's fine. Okay, 
so this idea of like, well, just ask, just ask for the blessing or ask for the revelation and you'll get it. And like, on the one hand, we've been taught, you know, ask and you, you shall receive, knock and it shall be opened. And then on the other hand, we, we learn that we receive things line upon line. So what does that even mean? Sometimes it feels like the line upon line part is not even related to the thing we're asking for. Mm. That's how I feel. But I think they they probably are related. Yeah, like every every experience we have is like teaching us something. Yeah. And God is aware of that thing that we're asking for. Yeah. Man, sometimes it's scary to ask though, too. I mean, there's that's that's a whole yeah. other piece of like what if the answer is no? I feel like it requires a lot of faith to ask and to like have that trust that a prayer will be answered or even heard. Yeah. And if you feel like it's not being heard or like ignored even, like that could be so heartbreaking. Right. Devastating. Right, cuz we have this we believe that God is good and that <laughs> our heavenly parents want to bless us. And so it's like, if we ask for something that we think is good, and then that's not heard or it's not answered, then it's it's like, okay, either we misunderstand what is good <laughs> or is God really good? I don't know. I think that's what it can lead us to question. Yeah. Well, Elder Renland has taught quite a bit about this idea of like, we don't receive necessarily until we ask. It's like some blessings are conditional upon our asking, which is why prayer is such a huge component of that. He said, most blessings that God desires to give us require action on our part, action based on our faith in Jesus Christ. First, we act in faith. Then the power comes according to God's will and timing. The sequence is crucial the required action, though, is always tiny when compared to the blessings we ultimately receive. And then he kind of compares it to like lighting a match to light a fire. It's like this tiny little action, but without it, I mean, you just nothing have a happens. stack of wood. Yeah, there's no fire. So it's like the faith part comes first. It's like, is God going to listen? Is God going to hear me and respond. And that's like the step, the step into the dark. He also said in that same talk, to receive a desired blessing from God, act with faith, striking the metaphorical match on which the heavenly blessing is contingent. For example, one of the objects of prayer is to secure blessings that God is willing to grant, but that are made conditional on our asking. It's like, we have to ask in order to receive them. I mean, clearly God already knows our hearts. Our heavenly parents know what we need, what we yearn for. But that seems to be this big piece in accessing like blessings and revelation is the asking part. Right. So <laughs> I feel like some influencer responding to this, but I've had some people <laughs> ask about the process of our podcast. That sounds like someone saying, lots of people have been asking about my skincare routine. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nobody's asked about that. But what's our process like? Like, how do we do the podcast? 
How do we come up with ideas? How do we find, you know, the information for it? I don't know. I mean, we usually, we don't have like some grand scheme, you know, months ahead of time. It's like we get an idea, we text that idea to the other person and we say, yes. And then we instantly (laughs) start like reading about it, studying about it, doing research, jotting down any ideas that come to mind. And then we send each other our stuff like in a doc and we can see like where we overlap. And we usually bring really quite different ideas to the table about each topic. I did have one friend say to me, what happens when you run out of topics? Well, let's not think about that. (laughs) we're not going to run out of topics because God will just simply tell us another topic. That's how it's happened so far. Exactly. Like we kind of get to the end and then it's like, oh, three more things. Here we go. Like (laughs) the other thing that happens so interesting is that when we are working on an episode, like studying and researching for it, it seems like Instagram suddenly is giving us like every quote related to that. Yeah subject. It's like synchronicity. It's just everywhere. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I feel like I just am having experiences that are like personally tutoring me on each of these subjects so that I can talk about them. So it's been like really fun to wait three weeks to do the patience episode (laughs) is what you're saying. (laughs) Super fun. I've loved it. Every minute. (laughs) Yeah. And I do feel like I see that too. Like, and maybe it's just because I'm looking for it more, but I have experiences that kind of line up with the thing we're working on. Oh, I feel like that's just how it's happening. Yeah. I guess it's just like the idea of like, I have been trusting the process because it's unfolded in a way that it's like our heavenly parents are giving us what we need at that moment. And then we put together the episode and even when we like can't speak like normal people when we're recording, <laughs> somehow it comes together. It does somehow. <laughs> Thanks to Sarah's mad editing skills as well. But I don't know. It's just like believing that it will and it does. Yeah. Okay. But like, okay. With the asking thing, can we go back to that? Please. So sometimes it feels like I have this really righteous desire. It's in line with the gospel principles. I'm asking for it. It's not happening. What gives? Right. I don't know. I feel like that's what they always refer to as the Lord's timing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Our heavenly parents see the bigger picture. I mean, like if you relate it to like your own little George, you know, three and a half, he probably asks you for things all the time and like you want to give him what he wants, but you can't give him everything at this moment. Yeah. I guess part of that is like maybe our false belief that we're smarter or more like aware of what we need than maybe we really are. Mm. I have this friend, Shirley. I love her dearly. She one time said when she was sharing her testimony, 
She said, I like to tell the Lord what he needs to do for me, and I will make it very clear in my prayers. And then it doesn't happen, and I will go back to him and say, what part of that did you not understand? <laughs> and she said that it was just like the most hilarious like testimony because she was acknowledging that like she doesn't have the full picture and she calls herself a rebellious spirit and the Lord is making her wait anyway. Right. Line upon line. And it's like there's something about the process of learning incrementally. There's something about patience that's part of the plan. Yeah. I mean, it has to be. Because even I think of like Abraham and Sarah, Old Testament. So if you look at the dates, Abraham was 70 years old when he received the revelation about having Isaac. So when Abraham received this revelation, the Lord spoke to him saying that he would, he said, I will make of thee a great nation. And he was talking about the son he would have, Isaac, who, if he came to him at that age, would have already been miraculous. But Isaac wasn't born until Abraham was a hundred. So mm. I wonder, like, what was it that made the 25 to 30 years of waiting beneficial? <laughs> what made it necessary? Right. Like, why didn't it just happen? They were already they were already old, aged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't claim to like have figured out patience personally, but um, Elder Uchtdorf has said some things about this. He said, without patience, we cannot please God. We cannot become perfect. Indeed, patience is a purifying process that refines understanding deepens happiness, focuses action, and offers hope for peace. So, I mean, there's kind of a lot there that happens in the space of time where we're waiting. It's like refinement, purifying, understanding. And ironically, he says it deepens our happiness, maybe because when we wait for things and then they are realized, they're that much sweeter. Yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot of good stuff there. Like it focuses our action. Right. I mean, obviously the Lord has a purpose because he could grant everything instantly, but that's not how we grow. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes I think it's, it's interesting that even the things that God specifically promises us are also the things, the very things that we have to wait for. But we're mm. kind of like, but we know you you said you would do this. <laughs> right. So uh, sometimes that makes it seem like it makes less sense, but maybe it makes it more obvious when it does happen that it is God making it happen. Right. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's good. So another part of that Uchtdorf talk that I really like is where he talks about like why we have the difficult things and why we have to kind of wait patiently through them and just experience them. 
He says, often the most difficult times of our lives are essential building blocks that form the foundation of our character and pave the way to future opportunity, understanding, and happiness. So I had an experience. This was years ago when my kids were pretty little. Things were really hard. And I was at the temple. It was hard to go to the temple then. So usually I went when I had hit rock bottom, basically, and was seeking any insight, any help. And I was, I just remember I was sitting in the celestial room underneath this enormous chandelier. It's the Mount Tabanogos Temple and the chandelier is, I mean, it's impressive. It's really big (laughs) and it's beautiful. It's formed with like, I can only describe them as like fingers of crystal. They're like almost like pencils, but longer. This is the shape that the crystals are in. And then they're bound together in these clumps to form kind of a circle of these fingers of crystal. And then each of those clumps are bound together. And the entire effect is of almost like an enormous flower, like the petals. It's, it's huge. It's stunning. Anyway, I was staring at this chandelier on this day when I was feeling like I don't even know if I can keep doing this. Like, I don't know if I can. I I did not want to go home. I did not want to leave and go home. And I had this, it was like a voice was speaking to me in my mind. And it was like I was having this little conversation (laughs) with the spirit. And I was like, I mean, I've been through a lot. Like, I've been through a lot of things and they've taught me. When will it be enough? Have I not learned enough yet? Like I'm kinder. I'm more compassionate. I'm less judgmental. Like I'm softer with people, more empathetic. I think I'm probably pretty good, right? Like I've learned I've learned the things. And it was like I was taught at that moment using this impressive visual of the crystal chandelier and And this is what I learned. The Spirit told me that each of those fingers of crystal represented the experiences that I was having every day in my life. And a lot of those were really unsavory, horrible experiences, repetitive things that I just had to do, and they seemed endless. And that each of those experiences wasn't just there to make me suffer, but it was there purposefully, like the chandelier, each of those fingers of crystal formed something so beautiful and grand. And that's what all of the things that I was suffering through and dealing with on a constant daily basis, that's what they were doing for me, for my spirit. I, I literally like felt like somebody said to me, you have to experience all of the experiences in your life. You have to experience all of the things to become the person that you're going to be. And I don't know why that was so comforting. It could almost be, I don't know, it could feel kind of like, oh great, it's not going to end. It's going to keep happening. But I felt incredible comfort knowing that like something good was going to come from all of this. God knew what I was going through and was there and was like not trying to torture me, but just make me into something better. 
And when I looked at the incredible beauty of that chandelier, like it gave me hope for the fact that I could become something better, something that like radiates light like that chandelier does. But you had a temple chandelier story too. Like I, I want to Let's hear it. I was in a different temple, but they all seem to feature these giant chandeliers made of a zillion tiny crystals. I had a s- similar experience in learning specifically and individually about what that could symbolize for me in my life and it was a time it was kind of like I was at the beginning of <laughs> for lack of a better term, a big spiritual journey. (laughs) Hey, I use that phrase all the time. (laughs) It's good. I don't care if people think it's cliched. We we know what we mean when we say it. So I was really starting to feel like a deeper connection with Jesus Christ and with my heavenly parents and feeling like I was receiving clearer instruction and revelation than I previously had and having experiences that my eyes were open to, to really see their involvement in my life. And I was sitting in the temple in the celestial room under one of these similarly massive, beautiful chandeliers made of a million tiny crystals. And I was looking up at it, just kind of pondering this series of experiences I'd been having And I felt like the Spirit told me in that moment that this was like one of those crystals and that there were so many more to come, like comprise the chandelier, but it couldn't come all at once. It would require patience and waiting and line upon line, and it wasn't going to come in a flood, like a constant flow of revelation or communication or understanding, but one little crystal at a time. I love that we both have chandelier stories. (laughs) So while we're waiting for good things and for hard things, to end like good things to come hard things to end we it requires the same like attributes of patience and Mm. waiting and hoping hoping (laughs) there's a scripture that talks about this as well it's in second nephi 28 30 and it says for behold thus saith the lord god i will give unto the children of men line upon line precept upon precept here little and there little and blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear unto my counsel for they shall learn wisdom for unto him that receiveth i will give more talking about like how our faith can grow as our patience is being tested well there's just this good scripture from james 1 that says, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Which kind of like addresses that idea that we've talked about of like we're refined by the process of, of waiting patiently, but also that that's like when we can hone our faith. That's when we can decide what we do believe And I don't know, so many of the talks that I read about this topic addressed prayer. They were all talking about 
yeah. prayer. Like what role does prayer play in waiting on the Lord? It almost goes back to that idea of C.S. Lewis said that like prayer doesn't change God, it, it changes us. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's true. There were so many years where I was praying for increased wisdom to know like what to do for my children. Really, I wanted to relieve my own suffering is what I wanted to do. It was like so difficult being their mother. And I would pray for, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. And, and then it was like, just help me through today. Like help me through this thing. Help me to understand what this child needs at this moment. Help me to stay calm and cool and collected in a really difficult situation. So it's like the things I was asking for changed because I think God already knew the outcome. He already knew where we were going to go. Hold on. I'm, I'm not making any sense. But Sarah. No, I think you are making sense. And I think maybe you didn't need to ask for wisdom because wisdom would come through that series of answers to the smaller prayers. Like wisdom is already unfolding for you over a long period of time, which is the waiting on the Lord part. Right. I wasn't just going to get it all at once. Well, and sometimes while we're asking for really big things, we are simultaneously asking for smaller things and those are being answered and addressed. Mm. And and maybe that helps us see that the big things will be too someday or, you know, in God's time. Right. And that is so good. It's like, I always wanted help. Help me figure this out. It was like I wanted to f- quote unquote figure out Jack. Right. But like we were figuring it out by just trying things and you know, being receptive and getting up and trying again after a really bad day. Which is so hard sometimes. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> right? So hard. about the different ways we wait, waiting on the Lord. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, we get a lot of counsel, both that we should like be still and know that he is God and just turn it over to him, just wait. And then there's also like the idea of actively waiting. Like we're not just sitting there waiting. So yeah, let's address those two different approaches. Elder Suarez says a bunch of things about like how we don't need to wear ourselves out attempting to bring things to fruition when sometimes what we really need to do is just let God's timing happen as it's going to. He said, it's necessary to accept the fact that the Lord's timing is different than ours. Sometimes we seek for a blessing and set a time limit for the Lord to fulfill it. We cannot condition our faithfulness to Him by imposing upon Him a deadline for the answers to our desires. We need to trust the Lord enough to be still and know that He is God. He knows all things that He's aware of each of us. Elder Renland also said something similar when he said, If a desired blessing from God has not been received yet, you do not need to go crazy wondering what more you need to do. Instead, heed Joseph Smith's counsel to cheerfully do all things that lie in your power and then stand still with the utmost assurance to see the arm of God revealed. Some blessings are reserved for later, even for the most valiant of God's children. 
So, I mean, they're both kind of hitting this notion of sometimes if you just keep spinning your wheels, like your own mortal attempts really aren't going to speed the process along. It's like trust that it is going to come, that something will happen. God wants good things for you. Right. So I guess that's kind of like the be still, be calm, be patient approach. In occupational therapy, we've learned about the idea of having a calm body and how to achieve that. And it's like nothing can happen, nothing good can happen until you have a calm body. And it's like you have to just be able to sit back and breathe. It's like the idea of patiently waiting, which I'm, I don't know, I'm not very good at it, but to contrast that is like the actively waiting, right? Yeah, like serving or waiting on the Lord in in the sense of waiting, being like a waiter, like serving the food or doing the thing. Yeah, like, okay, so Elder Utorf tells this story about, was it about learning English? Because he was in a part of Germany where they learned Russian as a second language, and then he moved mm. to a part where they learned they had to learn English, and it was really hard. Right, but he knew he had to, he had to learn English to become a pilot, and he said, "From that experience, I learned that patience was far more than simply waiting for something to happen. Patience required actively working towards worthwhile goals and not getting discouraged when results didn't appear instantly or without effort." He continues, "There is an important concept here: patience is not passive resignation, nor is it failing to act because of our fears. Patience means." active waiting and enduring. It means staying with something and doing all that we can, working, hoping, and exercising faith, bearing hardship with fortitude, even when the desires of our hearts are delayed. Patience is not simply enduring. It is enduring well. I think sometimes even in that what might feel like more passive patience of just like standing still, waiting to see God's hand revealed, we can and should still be active, not necessarily in the specific goal we're pursuing or the thing that the blessing that we desire. So maybe the active part in these periods of like standing still is actively seeking God, actively building our trust in in our heavenly parents, actively trying to understand what God's plan for us is, actively choosing faith and hope even though the thing is not yet happening. It's almost like it. It's like we're supposed to revert back to those basic things that can develop our faith, like drawing closer to God, like through prayer. I mean, I think Elder Holland recently called it like muscular prayer, like really taking it seriously and investing time and energy into it. And fasting and studying the scriptures, attending the temple. Oh, yeah. Like, especially studying the scriptures and and not just reading them per se, but like really searching them for answers. I mean, that's where the answers generally originate, that and the Holy Ghost. Right. So this reminds me of a quote by Sister... Neil Marriott. She said, Scripture says, search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good. This doesn't mean all things are good, but for the meek and faithful things, 
both positive and negative, work together for good, and the timing is the Lord's. We wait on him, sometimes like Job in his suffering, knowing that God maketh sore and bindeth up, he woundeth, and his hands make whole. A meek heart accepts the trial and the waiting for the time of healing and wholeness to come. I love that. Oh, profound. that the Jaredites exemplify kind of both of these versions of patiently waiting on the Lord because they did a lot. They were like actively doing and preparing, but then they also had to like just trust that they would be taken care of in a really profound way. So I think they had they had to have patience to endure their long journey. But I love that and and it was like nearly a year that they're in these barges and we know that they're blown f- by a furious wind for <laughs> 344 days and they're oh, buried wow. in the depths of the sea which you wonder when they got a chance to like unplug those holes <laughs> to let air in <laughs> if that was the case and if they did was it like just enough like <laughs> to get a breath and right? then put it back I on. I don't know. <laughs> um, but when they finally arrived at the promised land, it says that they shed tears of joy, not because they had arrived, but because they had seen God's hand and felt his presence during the whole time that they had patiently endured this really, what I read as like a harrowing journey. In Ether six twelve. It says they did shed tears of joy before the Lord because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. And I think this just shows that God blesses us and teaches us and grows us in different ways at different times in our lives. Sometimes when we look back, we can see him most in the periods of waiting or enduring and like just that ceaseless hardship, like the wind furiously blowing that never ceases to blow. Sometimes he teaches us by like literally revealing himself like he did to the brother of Jared. And sometimes it's just in like that reminder of the stone that is lit up in our dark little barge. I had a dream a few months ago that my husband and I had bought a house and it was in a different area from where we live. It was like a 1960s or 1970s era rambler and it needed to be renovated. It was like, you know, just had never, nothing had ever been done to it. It was outdated. And we were like excited about, you know, fixing up this house But Jeff informed me that he had talked to a soils expert about the dirt surrounding our house and that it was toxic. Like it had some kind of poison in it or something. And that we, in order to like safely renovate this house and live in it, first we would have to excavate all of the dirt from the property and remove it 
like exposing the foundation and everything. And then we would have to bring in different dirt and like pack it around this, our foundation. And it would be like a whole new dirt piece yard of, <laughs> piece of ground that we were living on. <laughs> and it sounded like so much work. Like I could not get over how much we were going to have to do literally moving earth around <laughs> in order to even begin the project on the house. Like first it was like, nope, everything's got to go. All the dirt that there is. I mean, like it doesn't even make sense because you dig down and then there's just more dirt. Right. <laughs> there's a dream teaching me something. And I, in the dream, Jeff had this kind of like sense of excitement about it. Like, well, we can do this. And, and then, and it was kind of contagious. Like I felt that way too. And I felt proud of us that we were going to make the effort and do all of these things that were necessary in order to have like a the place that we wanted to live and have like a the solid foundation. When I woke up from that dream and wrote it down, I felt like it symbolized like my relationship with faith and also like the church slash culture part of my faith. And that it wasn't like the foundation wasn't changing because like the foundation is Jesus Christ, you know, like that's good. <laughs> but it was like everything, all the stuff around it. I needed to dig down all the way and figure out what was what was important, like what was vital and what needed to go. That sounds like I'm trying to like change the church, <laughs> which I'm not. No, but just like my own like my own notions right. of what was important and and vital and necessary. And it like, I don't know, it, it's interesting that it happened during the pandemic when I think a lot of us had to kind of reevaluate what we do and what we believe and where we spend our time and what's important. Anyway, the more I reflect on that, that dream, the image of the house and like excavating all of the dirt from around the foundation and like literally the yard and replacing that dirt it's so ridiculously like time consuming and it would be, I mean, it's so dumb. Like that would never <laughs> happen. But I felt this sense of like symbolism in that that's how, that's how I have to approach my beliefs. Like I can't just like skate along on what's already there and you know, what's culturally accepted or I I have to be able to dig down to the foundation, exposing the foundation, the core doctrine of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. And only then can I build myself into the person that he wants me to be. I mean, I don't even know that I've fully comprehended this dream at this moment in time. Like, I think there's more understanding that will come. Yeah. And that's how dreams work sometimes or other, even other forms of revelation are just 
they unfold over time and they teach us this principle too that it's line upon line and we are waiting we're wait we're open to being taught but it, we don't expect it all at once one big component of patience or waiting on the Lord seems to be timing and trusting in God's timing. Um, Elder L. Todd Budge said, trusting in the Lord includes trusting in his timing and requires patience and endurance that outlasts the storms of life. So now I'm going to tell a story. (laughs) While I was a missionary, I was serving in my last area of my mission and my companion and I received a referral to teach a family, which it was like a husband and wife and then their daughter, and they were like adorable. And they were really receptive and they they like actually did the things that we asked them to do. Like mm-hmm. wow. which in Brazil you have no problem finding people to teach. Anyone is like we love to hear God's word and they will happily like let you in their house and give you juice and let you teach them. (laughs) But then it's very rare that they will read the Book of Mormon or come to church or do any of the things that like actually help them progress. So these people were different. They were ready and they did all of the things. They were reading the Book of Mormon. They were praying They showed up at church, and they were married, which is super rare in Brazil. You get a lot of couples that, because it's like a lot of red tape to jump through, like hoops and things with pain and inconveniences, people just end up living together and never get married. But in order to get baptized, obviously, you have to be married if you're living together. So they were married. They were keeping all of these commitments Even their daughter, who sat in on all of the lessons, turned eight while we were teaching them the lessons. And so it just seemed like everything was so perfectly falling into place. And they wanted to be baptized, but like they didn't quite feel ready. And I was struggling big time because I had this... Thing I wanted to have happen, that I would be there to see them take this step and progress on the covenant path. And actually, like, several things happened. So my companion and I, you know, we were trying to do this, like, active patience. So we ended up, we fasted, like, every day. We, in Brazil, like, lunch is the main meal of the day. So we would like eat lunch and then we would fast for 24 hours and then we would eat lunch and we would fast for 24 hours. And we oh were just my. like, we can make this miracle happen. <laughs> like there's no reason for it not to. And we were praying for it. And I had a dream while we were teaching them. I think we had already gone through all of the lessons at this point. I had a dream that my bishop at home came to me and told me that they were struggling with the concept of tithing. And so I woke up in the morning. I was like, sister, it's tithing. Like, we, <laughs> that's so the hang up. We reworked our lesson about tithing. We taught it like we're ready to teach it in a totally different way. And when we went to teach them, they were like, oh, we're, we're already paying tithing. They were not what? even baptized members of the church. 
Oh my, that's amazing. So my dream was highly inaccurate. (laughs) (laughs) But we, I just feel like I wanted it so badly and it seemed like a righteous desire and like, why couldn't it happen? The wife, Eliana, she really, she wanted to have like her own experience with having like God tell her it was right and it was time. And she hadn't had, she didn't feel like she'd had that yet. And so... I remember um, there were so many like last minute things that happened to try. Like we were trying to see if we could like hold the baptism on the day of the transfer, like all, all of these things. And, and I was going home. Like it wasn't a matter of being in a different area. It was the end of my mission. And I remember s- spending our last P day with them. And um, she just was like, you'll be the first to know when this happens (laughs) and then fast forward was it six months I was at BYU and I got a letter in the mail from them because that's how we communicated back in the day (laughs) (laughs) when dinosaurs roamed the earth (laughs) and um she got the sign that she had hoped for she actually had a dream that they were all dressed in white and it was their baptism day and that was what she Mm. needed and they did get baptized. So I think sometimes the timing doesn't just depend on us or God. It also depends on another person and our heavenly parents will never take away the agency of one of their children in order to like please another one of their children. Well, and maybe that those six months were, Eliana was, she needed that time so that she could continue building her testimony line upon line. Yes. She may, she had a testimony of tithing, but maybe there were other points that she just needed to address. Yeah. So, okay, sometimes I think... Timing can be critical to us, like not in a way that depends on any other people or just in helping us develop our own trust in God. As I've talked about sometimes discreetly, sometimes openly (laughs) on the podcast, I've had this experience over the past year of um, feeling prompted to have a baby and then it not working out. And then before I got pregnant, miraculously, I had this kind of realization that if this experience had happened like a year or two or more previously, like it really would have like set me back spiritually and it would have been a destructive experience to me. And it really wasn't. It it was confusing and I felt like there was like um, some uncertainty for sure, but I also... Well, and like questioning your ability to receive revelation, yeah, right? Because then you kind of go back and say, did, did that I even really, really happen? Yeah, but right. like, you, you know, it did. You, it did. It did Yeah, happen. and it was like multiple... So many different witnesses yeah. giving you the same information. Right. But like, as I was kind of working my way through that, like questioning and trying to make sense of it when it hadn't happened... And I really thought like it it wasn't going to. I did feel a lot of reassurance and guidance about 
my personal preparation for something in the future and that God was still aware of me. And I think that I probably wouldn't have even been open to those feelings if I had not worked to develop my trust in my heavenly parents, like during that Mm. whole process of receiving all of that revelation. So sometimes I think, I, I don't know, I feel like it could have been, I could have been really closed off to any feelings of reassurance or guidance just by like my own grief and disappointment. But I think the timing was like really wise because it helped, like I just felt prepared. Well, you were able to just kind of accept what happened and be really resilient with it. It didn't devastate you. You knew that you had received that revelation. The baby had not yet happened. And yet it was going to work out. Like it was going to be okay somehow. Patience is not like the most exciting topic. And yet it makes us who we are. (laughs) Dang it. Elder Uchtdorf said, often the deep valleys of our present will be understood only by looking back on them from the mountains of our future experience. Often we can't see the Lord's hand in our lives until long after trials have passed. Elder Neil L. Anderson, in the crucible of earthly trials, patiently move forward and the Savior's healing power will bring you light, understanding, peace, and hope. Hydrate, get some sleep, take care of yourself, and dream deeply. You can find notes from today's show on our website, dreamsiclepodcast.com. Also, follow us on Instagram at dreamsicle.podcast. Click subscribe wherever you listen to make sure you never miss an episode. Again. If you have a chandelier story, DM us. <laughs> <laughs>